I want you to get your Bible. Turn to James chapter 5. I'm so glad to see you. I'm glad that you're here. Now, I want to talk for a few minutes about what it means to be well. W-E-L-L. What does it mean to be well? That can refer to a lot of things. Primarily what comes to your mind when I say that is probably uh, physically, you know, because that's what seems to that's the thing that's predominantly um, when we are not well, that's where we notice it the most. Does that make sense? But did you know that when you are not well mentally or spiritually uh, or financially, that those things affect you just as much, in some cases more than when it's physically? And I believe that God wants us to be well in a certain way. And then I believe that this is a message that that is going to be very freeing to to a lot of us. I probably have read this passage of scripture hundreds, literally hundreds of times. I've preached from this passage of scripture. I've I've preached recently from the second part of this text. But yet within the last couple of weeks. I've received, I won't say new revelation, there is no new revelation, but to me, new inspiration on this scripture that I'd never seen before. And when when this came to me, I thought, man, I got to share this. In fact, I had this when we were in the series, but I knew the series was important, and I just chomping at the bit saying, you know, I'm going to stick with this this series. We've, we're going to finish because it was a good series. We're going to finish this series, but man, I was I was I was waiting to get here with this today. I believe that wellness starts in your mind. I think that if you can learn to win the battles in your mind, you can achieve wellness everywhere else. I think that once you learn how to win the battle in your mind, there'll never be anything again that can steal your freedom or your peace, or your joy, or your strength. The devil will always attack your mind. If he doesn't attack something else, he will always attack your mind. He will start there first. He will attack other things. But he will attack wherever you're vulnerable enough that it will eventually become a stronghold in your mind. And so many people go through their entire lives, Christian lives, with strongholds that they are never freed over. Can live their entire lives in chains. Pastor, I don't believe that. I think that if you're a Christian that you've been set, no, there's no question. If you are a Christian, you have been set free. But you may not be walking in that freedom. What is it that you struggle with or against? Whatever that is, if you could defeat defeat that, your mind would be free. And you say, well, if I'm ill, does that mean that what you're saying, does that mean I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be ill anymore. That's not what I'm specifically saying, not necessarily what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you would be free from the worry and the stress and the loss that is due to that illness. Your mind could overcome 
whatever is happening to your temporary body. He said, now you're sounding weird. I'm going to show you something here. That I believe is going to change some of your, literally change some of your lives. James chapter 5. The text is verse 16. We're going to look at several of these verses, but this, this is primarily our working text. Confess faults to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. And here's that part we're so familiar with. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Man, we've heard that one. Right? And we study that. We want to learn what that means. But, but this verse, what you need to understand, this, this verse 16 is tucked into a very powerful passage of Scripture. And, and the whole theme of that Scripture, not just this verse, but the ones that are all around it, are in reference to a specific theme. And that specific theme is this. There is power in the prayer of faith. That is what the passage, the, the theme of the passage is about. It's talking about the power that is in the prayer of faith and how that if we can pray the prayer of faith, how that we can see mighty things accomplished. Am I right? That's what's going on here. Let me, let me, show, you, let me show you what I'm talking about. Look at verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. All right, let's just stop. You don't need to raise your hand, but let's identify as we're walking through it. Let's see where we're going right here. Here's what afflicted is. Afflicted is somebody that's enduring right now hardship or persecution or disappointment or loss. Is there anybody in this room who's dealing with disappointment or loss or hardship or anything like that? Anybody in here? That means you're afflicted. And the scripture said that if you're dealing with that, let them pray the prayer of faith... Okay, hang on a minute. So we see now what needs to happen if we're afflicted. He goes on. Is any cheerful? Let him sing songs. Verse 14. Is any sick among you? What is sick? Sick is anybody that is feeble or diseased or weak or ill. We got anybody like that? Anybody in our churches like that? No? Well, if we did then we'd have two categories of people so far. We would have people that are going through loss and hardship and disappointment, and we would have people who are physically ill or weak or have disease or sick. And the scripture said, if there's any among you that are sick that meet that definition, then let them pray the prayer of faith. Mm. Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over them. Let them anoint them with with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will cure the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And look at this one. And if he has committed sins, it will be forgiven. What sin? Let's see if we got anybody like this. This would be anybody that has committed an offense against God or someone else or even themselves. We got anybody like that in our church? We got three things going on here that scripture says are detrimental to us, but that we can be free from. We can get over. We can win the battle over these things by praying this prayer of faith. Because this prayer of faith is powerful. To the pulling down of strongholds. What are these things? Affliction. Sickness. Sin in our life. What what are those things doing to us? What are they doing to us? Have you ever tried to pray the prayer of faith when you're afflicted? 
when you're sick, when you're in sin. And then you beat yourself up and say the reason that wasn't effective is because I got this going on. I'm saying to you, what if I could tell you there's something that can happen in your life to where that you could get beyond that, where that you could say, you know what, even if I am at some point ill, I'm still going to be well. Even if I am struggling hardship, I'm still going to be well. Even if I do occasionally fail, I'm not going to be a sinner anymore. I'm still choosing I'm going to be well. Somehow I'm going to win this battle in my mind so that these strongholds come down and the enemy quits defeating me. Got your attention yet? Anybody want me to go on? If you do, wave at me. The prayer of of faith prayed the right way, according to verse 16, is very powerful. It says when it is effectual and fervent. You know what that means? Effectual and fervent means earnest and urgent. Have you ever prayed an earnest prayer urgently? Anybody here? Have you ever prayed an earnest prayer urgently? God, I mean, I'm serious about this and it's got to happen right away. And did it come to pass or did it not? I don't know. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But if you felt like that that prayer was ineffectual, it might have been due to affliction or sickness or sin that had not been put in its correct place. Maybe you were praying out of a place where that a stronghold was dominating your spirit, your mind, and your heart. I'm not saying that it couldn't have still happened because God in his mercy, I'm telling you, he's answered my prayers lots of times when I was all three of those. One or all three, maybe at the same time. And God in his mercy and love still prayed, still answered my prayer because I'm his child no matter what's going on. But there's something in me that says, I want to be well, I want to stay well, because I am seeing, according to this passage, that people who are well pray these effectual, fervent prayers that avail much. And I want to pray those kind of prayers. I want to be able to pray them for you, and I want, I want to be able to pray them for myself, and I want you to be praying pray for each other. we got to get well. Somehow we got to get well. What qualifies me to be one of these people. The scripture said righteous. The prayers. The effectual fervent prayers of the righteous avail much. Who are the righteous? Am I one of those righteous? I want to be. Do you? I want to be one of those. I want to be able to pray those kinds of prayers. What qualifies me to be one of these righteous people? I see them. They're, they're, the, the scripture says they're praying powerful Faith-filled prayers for sinners, for sick people, and for afflicted people, and their prayers are productive. I want to be doing that. Huh? You're quiet. I think you're still there. Verse 13 doesn't tell me how to qualify. Look at it. Verse 13 doesn't tell me how to qualify. Verse 14 doesn't tell me how to qualify either. Now, it does tell me what to do. If we find this person that is sick, then what we need to do is we're supposed to round up some of the elders or or some qualified people, and we're supposed to go anoint that person who's in need with oil. I got that. Now, that needs to happen. It still doesn't tell me how to qualify. So I'm looking at verse 13, 14. I don't get Verse 15 doesn't tell me how. I think the answer is in verse 16. 
the effectual fervent prayer that avails much is going to be prayed by somebody who has gotten his or her mind right in accordance with this verse. It tells us how to be made well and how to be the one who can pray for someone else to be well too. And it's a very simple formula. I'm going to give you this formula. By the time we leave today, everybody in this room ought to be able to, ought to, be able to commit this formula to your mind. You have to walk out of here and just be able to say three words. And then from those three words, when you walk through your daily life, you're going to be able to say those three words. And those three words are going to tell you what needs to happen among those th- in, in and out of those three words. You ready? It's real simple according to this passage of Scripture. Verse 16, that's why we chose it as our text. We want to pray like it says from 13, 14, 15, 16, but 16 tells us how. Here's the formula. Here's where it's found. Number one, repent. That's easy. Everybody in the room said, I didn't even need to hear this message. I already knew that. No, wait a minute. Uh Uh-uh, uh-uh. Because you think this means something different than what it means in this context. Repent is confess. Pastor, I've already done that. I'm talking about that thing in your mind. I want you to stop for just a second, and I want you to get something in your mind. And I, Not that I want you to dwell on something bad, but I want you to get something in your mind. What is it about your life that the devil bothers you with that you hate? And let me put it to you a different way. Whenever you get tired or lonely or discouraged or hurt, where do you go in your mind? Chances are... That's where you sin. Pastor, every time I get really tired, every time I get really lonely, every time I feel isolated, that's when I catch myself doing something that I said I'd never do again. Wave at me. Pastor, I've repented. 47 times for this particular thing. Every time I do it, I feel terrible guilt and shame. Told the Lord I'll never do it again. But I don't know what happens. Something happens, something triggers. Some kind of trigger. I don't know what it is. Something happens and I find myself right back at that spot. And I don't, and I hate it and I hate myself for it. And I've told God I'll never do it again. Am I talking to anybody? Am I talking to anybody? Some of you naturally have things that is going, you know, it's easy for us. The, some of us Christians to start looking around saying, well, yeah, I got some stuff, but it ain't as bad as everybody else's. I mean, my stuff is I doubt myself or I, or I you know, I worry. I'm glad I'm not like that other guy that runs down there and, and, and just stays drunk or that guy that stays on a computer looking at pornography all day. At least I'm not like him. You're just like him. You're just like him. Pastor, my sin doesn't affect, it doesn't hurt other people. Oh, your sin hurts everybody around you. All I do, pastors, I just get a little discouraged. I might, you know, I might get on Facebook and talk a little gossip. I'm a, that's just as bad as the guy that hides in the closet looking at pictures he shouldn't. Woo. No, it's not the same, Pastor. It's not the same for, for me to sit by myself, for me to just sit by myself and, 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 be, and be down on myself and, be, and feel guilty and feel ashamed and be negative around other people. That's not nearly as bad as the guy that's out there taking his money and, and buying whiskey and getting drunk. Yes, it is. Pastor, you're going to try to tell me that God views both those things the same way? Here's what God views sin as. Anything that is detrimental to your mind, body, or soul that destroys you or someone else is sin. I just got your attention. We've been doing this for about 15 minutes. And all of a sudden you woke up. 
You are afflicted. You are sick. You are in sin. How are you going to get free? How are you going to get loose? How are you going to get over this? When are you going to quit this? You keep saying you're going to quit. When are you going to quit? Not until the stronghold in your mind has been defeated. Hmm. This will work. This formula I'm about to give you, it'll work whether you're battling with self-esteem or gambling or drugs or alcohol or worry or bad language or anger or whatever else it is. Wherever it is that you refer to when you go there, this will work for you because no matter what that is, whether you've told yourself you're glad it ain't as bad as somebody else's, the bottom line is no matter what that is, it's a stronghold in your mind. And it's hindering you from being the powerful person who can pray these faith-filled, productive prayers for yourself and others. What are we going to do? Repent. That's number one. We're going to repent. You said that already, Pastor. You said that. And I've done it. I've already told God. I've already gone to God and told him I'm sorry. I told God I was sorry. I've told him a thousand times. I've told God a thousand times I'm sorry. And he knows my heart. And he knows it. And he knows I want to quit. He knows I don't want to ever do it again. But I've told him a thousand times. Yet I'm still struggling with it. Well, let me tell you something. Here you go. Hang on to your seat. Here's what you don't want to hear about this verse. This verse didn't say confess your faults to God. I thought we had to do that. Oh, you have to do that. You have to repent of your sin to God. But this verse talking about how it is that you're going to be made well so that you can live this powerful overcoming life doesn't say confess your faults to God. It said confess your faults to somebody else. That'll set you free. That one will set you free. You ain't never been free before. You know why? Because you could always say, this is just between me and God. He's forgiven me. We're working on this. Someday I'm going to be free. But you never get free. Why don't you ever get free? Because you haven't told anybody else. Some of y'all don't like this. You're like, man, he's full of it. I just wish he'd be quiet. Let me go home. Some of you want to get free. Some people in this room want to get free. I've been sensing it for weeks. I know it's true. Some of you want to get free. And I'm not telling you that you have to run off and put this on the Channel 5 News. I'm not, and I'm not telling, this isn't talking about you going and confessing to a priest or a pastor either. It's not what this is talking about. This is talking about you finding somebody in your life that you love and that you trust. Somebody, I'm talking about that you love and you trust. You don't have to tell lots of people. You can come to Celebrate Recovery and tell it in a small group if you want to. And it's a wonderful thing and it ain't going anywhere. And I'm telling you, those, that's a, I love that ministry. And what's, what happens there stays there, here, here. But not all of you feel safe going to a small group and sharing that sin. But you got to tell somebody. You know what the word confess there means? One of the words, one of the, one of the definitions of the word confess in the Greek there. Check this out. It means to blurt. God is saying to you that you need to find somebody that you can blurt this out to. You're not getting free.
until you blurt this out to somebody, that person that you trust, that person that you know, that person that, that you can confide in, and you say to them, you sit down and you say, I've had something I've never told anybody. I've told God, I prayed, I hate myself, I've repented hundreds and hundreds of times, but I can't get free from this. I've got to tell somebody, this is what I'm doing. And you, just, and you start it, and all of a sudden you're just blurting. You're blurting this out. The other person's eyes are this big. I never knew that about you. I couldn't tell anybody. I never told anybody. I wouldn't have told you except the time was right and I felt like I could. And you share that with that person. Now, why would I ever want to do that, Pastor? Because, number one, you need accountability. And we'll talk about it in a second. But number two, there needs to come a point in your life where that when the devil comes to you and says, I'm going to, I'm going to make this known. That you can say, go on, I already have. You don't have anything on me anymore. I'm free. I'm free. That's behind me. That's beyond me. I'm free from that. You, you don't have anything. Well, he says, I'm going to tell. Just like he's held that over you all those years, I'm going to tell. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, your, your wife's going to find out about it. Your kid's going to find out about it. They're, they're going to find out about this at your job. They're going to find out about this at the church, and you're going to lose your ministry. No. Huh? You say, you do what you want, devil. I've already told the Lord who's forgiven me, and I've already told another person who's praying for me. Do your best. I'm free. I got a lot of people looking at me like right now, like, man, I wish I had somebody like that I could trust. Man, I wish I could do that. I can never come clean to my wife or to my husband because they just won't understand. They'll leave me. I can never come clean to anybody. There's somebody, there's somebody out there that you got to come clean to. You got to come clean. You got to repent. You got to blurt this out. You got to get rid of this so the devil can't keep using this secret to keep you enslaved. You're going to struggle over this the rest of your life until you, until you get rid of this. It's time for the church to get free and stay free. It's time for the church to operate in the power that God meant for the power to be in the church. God wants you to be that person can pray these kind of effectual, fervent, powerful prayers. Those kinds of prayers of faith that avail much to get things done. You're so busy taking one step forward and two steps back that you're always living in some kind of a continual place of conviction and doubt and shame and sin. You don't go nowhere. You're not getting anywhere. You're just staying in the same place or back one pace from where you were. But if you want to get forward, if you want to do something, if you want to operate in power, if you want your life to be what God put you here to do, then you need to repent. And you need to request. Repent, request. Number two, request. What's request? I'm just looking at the verse. The verse said, confess your faults to one another and then pray for one another. Request is pray for one another. Now it's time to pray. Let me show you what he's talking about. He said, okay, I've never read it that way before. I've always read it as, you know, uh, confess your faults, uh, repent to God, and and pray for one another, and then you'll be... There's There's something going on. There's a formula going on here. A formula for how to be healed. Confess your faults and pray for one another. Who's the one another we're talking about? It's the person you blurted to. This is what's called bearing one another's burdens. Confess your fault to somebody and then pray for that person and then legitimately pray for you. You're just looking at me like you're not sure what's going on here. Let me tell you a story. A dad took his small son to town at lunchtime. 
They walk into a fast food restaurant and he pops him up on a stool. They sit there, they order their food, the food comes. Little boy knows we always pray over our meal. Dad said, hey, son, today let's just pray a silent prayer. And so they bow their heads and they pray over the meal. And the dad finishes and he looks over and the son's still bowed. Several minutes, this little kid sits there with his eyes closed, his head down, silent praying. Finally, he looks up and the dad said, you finished? He said, yeah. He said, wow, that was a long prayer. What were you praying for? Little boy said, I don't know. It was a silent prayer. Which is the kind of prayers people are praying for you when they don't know what they're praying. This is why this passage makes sense. You can't tell the world, but if you could tell somebody, all of a sudden that person started praying about you differently. Instead of saying, Lord, I, I wish that you'd be with Jerry. I don't know. I feel like there's something going on with him. Man, I don't know what it is. But I, instead, you go to the Lord and you say, Jerry's dealing with this, God. I know he is because I, he told me and I told him. and He's praying for me and I'm praying for him. And God, I bind the devil. I bind the enemy from coming against him and discouraging him. I, I, you see what I'm saying? I rebuke the devil. In a specific way, instead of saying, I don't know what we're praying for, it's just a silent prayer. I hope you get better, Jerry. Man, I hate to, you know, there's something going on. I hate that I hate that I don't know, can't pray for you. But I want you to know I'm bearing your burden. You're like, you're not bearing my burden. You don't even know what my burden is. Right? Confess. This is all working right here. Look at it, guys. Confess to someone and pray for one another. That. So that you may be healed. All of a sudden, the verse makes sense. And then what follows it is the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. So you got two people in this equation now who are praying earnest, fervent prayers for each other. Believing in faith that they're both going to be made well and walk in wholeness and effectiveness and purity and productivity. It's solid. Whether, you, whether you're sleeping or, or awake, I don't care one way or another, it's solid. You've got this repent, request, and recover that you may be healed. Repent, request, recover. Repent, request, recover. It's the formula. It's an easy formula. Repent, request, recover. That's the goal here. This, is, this last one is where we're healed. This is where we are made well. That's our goal in all of this. This is the how. This is how we're going to get well. Some of you remember a lady named Irma Bombeck. You remember? She wrote this years ago. Quote, she said, never go to a doctor whose office plants have died. It makes a point. I want well people praying for me. I don't want to go to doctors that don't know how to diagnose me and pray for me and heal me. I want to go to somebody who's right already too. Well people praying for each other are the ones that can march on hell with squirt guns. And not be afraid. I'm not being unkind to you when I say this, but I'm telling you throughout the body of Christ, there are myriads of people who are weak and 
sick and puny. And it's not just in the physical. The physical isn't the problem. The physical is just what's going on in their body between them and God and his preparation of doing something in their life or getting them home one or another. I'm talking about spiritually people who are weak and puny and physically just faint. You know who loves that? The devil. The devil loves that. He says, I'm not worried about folks gathering together and singing some songs. They can get together and sing some songs, even pray some prayers. But if they ever get their minds right and they start working together, we're going to be in a lot of trouble down here in hell. If these folks ever start getting well and staying well, and marching forward instead of back and taking it outside instead of always kneeling in the altars and crying and begging God to forgive them. If we can ever get Christians to live the way they're supposed to live, hell will be in trouble. It all starts right here. It all starts in the mind, right there. And you're the only one that can win this battle. Nobody can win it for you. God, thy word have I hid in my heart so that I wouldn't keep sinning against you. How am I going to win this battle? How am I going to win this battle? How am I going to break off this stranglehold? How am I going to get my mind right? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here's something that I know you have to own up to. Every time you begin to submit to that thing that tries to strangle your mind, Every time you start going there, there is always something from the Holy Spirit that told you not to. Every time, lady, mama, every time that you start trying to have low self-esteem, you start trying to feel bad about yourself, you start listening to the devil talk about your past. Every time he does that, the Holy Spirit always tells you that's not true. And you press on and let that go in your mind anyway. Whose fault is that? Every time fellow that you sit down at that computer to check your email and you just happen to find yourself on another website every time you click that mouse the Holy Spirit's telling you this is not right but you know what it's all right here that initially 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 the first time you hear the Holy Spirit you've made a, you've made a decision the first time you heard the Holy Spirit had you said Hang on a minute. I'm going to take every thought captive. I'm going to decide what I think. And in the name of Jesus, let this mind be in me, which was also in him. I'm going to finally think on things that are pure and that are honest and true. And we're gonna, uh-oh. I'm going to replace one thought with another. I'm going to drive one thought out with something else. It may require me to change some of the ways I'm doing some things. I might have to change some of my habits. 
so that I quit putting myself in a position to allow those things to happen. Are you still awake? Is anybody still awake? You're going to have to replace those thoughts with another. In order to do that, you've got to have something to replace it with. So you have hidden the word in your heart. You have found specific verses of scripture that apply to your situation. And you're memorizing those verses. And every day when the enemy comes against you and he tries to take that stronghold of your mind, you remember the verses and you begin to spout those verses and say, here's who I am according to the word of God. Here's who I am in Christ Jesus. This is what I choose to think on. This is where I choose to think. This is who God says I am. This is who he says I can be. These are his promises and his blessings for me. I'm not going to let myself go down that road because I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like the way the devil beats me up afterward. I'm not going there anymore. Instead, here's what I choose to think. I'm going to win the battle in my mind. How am I going to win it? Repent, request, recover. Say it. Repent, request, recover. Say it. Repent, request, recover. Repent. What's it mean? I got to confess. I got to find somebody to confess this to. Request. You got to pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. Recover. Get well. Get well and stay that way. Have we wasted your time these last 30 minutes? Huh? Have we wasted your time? Or are you ready to respond to the word of God? Pastor, I want to come down and get on my knees and I'm going to tell God, repent, request, recover. Repent, request, recover. I will get that in my mind and get it in my heart. I'm going to go home and I'm going to memorize some scriptures. And the next time the devil comes against me, I'm going to change. I'm going to take that thought captive and I'm going to replace it with the thought I want it to be. And I'm not failing anymore. And I want to find somebody to pray with me. And there it is, guys. That is the concept of the New Testament church. Healthy and whole moving forward. Being added to daily such as should be. Doesn't that sound simple? You're going to need this. Some of y'all looking at me like, man, I wish you'd shut up. You're going to need this. You need it. To, some of you going to need it today. I guarantee you by the end of the week, there's not a person in this room that's not going to need this by the end of the week. For some of you, if you ever get past the point of, of telling yourself that what you're doing isn't sin, you're going to realize you needed this this afternoon. God, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus convict us take me back and everyone else in this room who will pray this same prayer to the place that we were of naivety as a small child purify our minds and our hearts and our soul take us back to the place where that when we were little children and we knew what was right and wrong we listened Take us back, God. So many of these people in this room and those who are hearing me, wherever they might be, have allowed things to happen in our life for such a long time that we become desensitized to it. And it's no longer sin. We just justified it. 
Would you take us back to that place of purity? Would you take us back to that place where that we acknowledge what is sin? God, would you take us back to a place of purity and holiness and sanctification and a place of righteousness so that we can live that godly life, so that we can be productive, so we can pray those powerful, faith-filled prayers that avail much. Would you take us back there? Would you get our mind right? Would you keep our mind right? Would you help us to remember this formula? Altars are open. They're going to lead us this final song. If this is your word today, I want you to come bow on your knees. You can kneel, stand, walk, sit. This isn't the dismissal. This is the time to interact with the word of God. What has God said to you over the last 30 minutes? What has he said to you? Have you identified that? Did you through the process of this identify that thing that keeps triggering and taking you back? Have you identified that? That's what I specifically want you to bring to the altar with you today. I want you to bring it to the altar with you today and say, God, I'm sick of letting this thing. I am tired of this, of it always going back to this thing. I want to be free from that stranglehold today. I repent, I request, I recover. And then you got to walk that formula out. Repent to God, but then you need to confess to someone and pray for each other so that you can be healed. Today, it's all about, it's not about you running around the room and trying to find somebody to blurt that out to. We don't need that in here, do we? It's about you coming to the altar, acknowledging the word of God, getting these ideas and these concepts and precepts in your mind and in your heart. And then you're going to take it out of here and act on this. Some amazing things are going to happen in our church. Listen to this. This, was, this is not in these notes. Some marked and amazing different things are going to happen in our church between this week and next. Just because there are some people who are about to get free that haven't been. You're going to see a marked difference next week. Those of you that, that this word... If you apply this word, you're going to see a marked difference next week in worship. Now, some people are, the scripture said that spiritual things are discerned by the spiritual. So there are going to be people walking here that don't discern anything because they, they don't walk close enough to the Lord. They don't know nothing. But I'm telling you that if you, if this is your word, you're going to notice, you, you're, going, you're going to notice next week things are different in, in God's presence. Things are different in God's presence next week, next Sunday. Are you ready? Let's pray. Come on. Come on. Find find a place. Let's pray.